In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. It is an awesome thing, a man who keeps his word, who keeps his promises. When he says something, he means it. This is an awesome thing. St. John tells us in his first epistle, Let us love, not in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Really, it's just keeping the Eighth Commandment, doing what you say, uh, not bearing false witness about yourself. For all you young men who hope one day to marry another man's daughter, my plea to you is this. Be a man of your word. Do what you say. Love not in word or talk, but in deed and in truth, and then you will be sons of your heavenly Father. And you will be sons, true sons of God after the Son of God. Because, as John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, that is, in the beginning was the Son, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh. The Word of God could not just stay the Word of God. The Word became flesh to come to his people, to visit them, to be heard, to be seen, to be touched with hands. The Word became flesh to do things, to teach and walk around and raise the dead and heal lepers and to cleanse those who were cast out, to turn water into wine and to give joy to the hearts of men. The Word became a man, and he was a man of his Word. He kept all of the promises of God that we heard last night. Before him, as our text tells us, before Christmas, before the Son of God came, no one had ever seen God. But right there in the stable, on the knees of the Virgin Mary, there he was. God, naked, vulnerable, unprotected, laid in the arms of his creatures. The Word became a man, and he was a man of his Word. God showing the very heart of God right there in the manger, placing himself in our hands. And there he was, God, keeping all of his promises that he had made from the very beginning. For ages past, the Lord had said that he loved his people. He had made vows to them. He had sent prophetic love letters to them. He had promised that he would come for them. And he has come. And this is why you can trust our Lord. Even when he sends suffering your way. Even when he makes you wait. Even when he makes you wait through long and uncertain days. Nothing has ever happened to us today it has not also happened long before. It has not also happened to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and Ahaz, and Daniel, and all of the prophets. And what he promised to them is what he promises to us. And just as he was then, lying in the arms of the Virgin Mary, so he is to you, a man of his word. That is what it means that God became flesh. He literally and physically gave himself for you. 
He gave himself into your hands. And what it means is that he loves you. He proves it. It turns out he actually does. Because we all know this about love. It is easy to say, I love you. It's anyone can say it. And for God also. I mean, for the God who spoke the entire cosmos into existence, it's easy to say, I love you. It is easy to pronounce the words, but who really cares? Anyone can pronounce the words. Who really cares unless you prove it? And that is what Christmas is. We often point out about this time of year, and we call out the materialism of Christmas, don't we? It's a yearly uh, recitation of ours that it has become a season of greed and not a season of gratitude, that it has become a season of stuff. And we need, by contrast, to keep Christ in Christmas. (laughs) And it is actually true. (laughs) It is important to ponder these days, uh, you know, what the season is for and what it's not and what perhaps it has turned us into. We do seem to be hypnotized by our own wealth in these days. But what I never realized before is that this is all Martin Luther's fault. Apparently, Luther was the one who made Christmas all about gifts. Apparently, before the Reformation, the traditional day for giving and receiving gifts was December 6th, the day of St. Nicholas. But Luther didn't like how much all of the children loved St. Nicholas Day on December 6th and didn't care anything about Christmas, didn't care anything about the nativity of our Lord. And so uh, he just changed it. (laughs) He said, no, no, it is the Christ child who brings you your gifts at Christmas. And so he sort of made this tradition with the children. He kind of changed things. And it stuck, didn't it? It stuck so much so that the whole world now celebrates some form of Martin Luther's Christmas. It's like our greatest evangelistic uh, explosion. Luther himself is to blame for the materialism of Christmas. And I don't think, if he had known what he had done, that he would have done it any other way. Because it all goes back to what we heard from St. John. Let us not love in word or talk but in deed and in truth. Materialism, of course, can go very wrong, very badly. We can fixate and love and talk about and fixate on all of the silly things in life. Toys for young and for old. Every, you know, a gadget for every pocket and every wrist. And we can think about these things and let them distract us from reality. But it's funny, that is not actually the meaning of material, is it? Material is, I think, it's got to be derived from the word matter. Stuff. Chairs, bricks, robes, trees, shrubs, doors, altars. Stuff. And that actually does matter. Material actually does matter. And the thing about our materialism today really is that it's not material. It's a, you know... What's your phone but a brick of aluminum and glass, right? The reason why we stare at them all day 
is because it's all fake. It's all not there. Uh, so we've kind of come full circle to having a materialism that makes us immaterial. And that's a problem because St. John in his gospel today shows us that material is not evil. In fact, material, all the material you can see and touch and taste and feel, was created by the very Word of God. And that Word, which in the beginning created all things, would not be satisfied, would not be finished, until He Himself made Himself material. Until the Word became flesh. So the good Lutheran practice of gift-giving can, of course, go wrong. Just like anything, it can be corrupted and misused and focused on our basest desires. But if it can be corrupted, then it can also be redeemed. We can repent of our selfishness, repent of our microscopic attention spans, repent of our laziness. We can give instead of receive. We can um, give to people who can't give back to us. And we can use our material wealth, which God has given us, for the good of man, indeed, for the love of man. And if we do, if we do make our giving true giving, sacrificial giving, a giving of ourselves, we will only ever be following those little tiny footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the word became flesh, John says, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Now, in John 1, that's the glory. In John 12, it's the same glory. Jesus, in Holy Week, right before he is crucified, says this. He says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he is speaking of his crucifixion. He is speaking of the glory of his self-sacrificial gift of himself upon the cross. Do not love in word and talk, says John, because he learned it from our Lord himself, from the word himself. Love must become flesh. Love must become material, sacrificial, self-giving for it to become true. That is actually the shape and the order of all of God's history. All of the history of the Bible from Genesis all the way through to the end. That is the shape that God has given to our entire world and to our entire history and past and present and future. And it's also the very pattern of this divine service. It's the shape and pattern of what we're doing here today. Notice how you came in the door. You received, right there, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You have your sins taken away from you. And then you hear the word, the very words of God. But that isn't all. Remember, that can't be all. The word must become flesh. God does not love you in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. He does not only promise, but he keeps his promises. He does not only say he loves you. The word becomes flesh. 
holy flesh, the flesh of Jesus, the flesh of the Son of God, the very flesh of God, the very word which formed the cosmos, the very word which spoke and it was so, has become flesh and blood for you to live your life, to die upon your cross, and to give himself to you this day. And as you receive the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, he forms in you a new creation. Jesus could create all things with a word. He's God after all. But he could not redeem them with a word. To redeem them, he had to become flesh. He had to sacrifice his flesh for you. And then he had to give it to you as food. And he has. Not just the first Christmas, but every Christmas. Not just the first Sunday, but every single Sunday. What do we sing every Sunday? Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. So every Sunday is Christmas for you. We should ring the bells every single Lord's Supper. Because it is Christmas after all. After all, it is God made flesh for you. God making himself material for you. Making himself a means of salvation for you. Making himself your comfort. Making himself your peace in the midst of a frenetic world. Making himself your own love. Loving you that he might shape your love for one another. So it is an awesome thing, a man who keeps his word, when he does not merely talk, but when he does what he says. That is why our Lord became flesh. That is why our Lord became a man. And we, as John tells us, have seen his glory, his sacrificial cross-shaped glory, which he has given to us, to you, as a gift. So happy Lutheran Christmas, everybody. In the holy name of Jesus.